welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. All right, will you please stand for the reading of today's scripture? It is found in Matthew 3, 16 through 4, 11, and it's on page 967 and 968 in the Bibles in the chairs. As soon as Jesus was baptized... He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, this passage of scripture should be starting to sound pretty familiar to you. As Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, throughout these weeks of Lent, we have sought to follow him to learn from him, to open ourselves to the Spirit's work in the wilderness through preparation and pruning, through solitude where we are face-to-face with self and God. We thought about temptation, its inevitability and how we can grow through it, and the important role of fasting that that can play as we're drawing near to God. And now today, we look at this scripture one more time with a focus on the importance of scripture. I feel a heavy weight here. For some of the other spiritual practices we've learned in this, we've leaned into in this series, may be a bit less known to most Christians. But most will say that scripture and prayer must be the foundation both in our relationship with God and for our growth as followers of Christ. And I would agree. So I want to get this right. But oh my goodness. My insecurities are on high alert. It's not just the not smart enough who do you think you are head chatter that always engages in times like this when I stand in front of you as if I know what I'm talking about. I'm sort of used to that. But it's this topic in particular, scripture, that carries a whole other level of weightiness. Because the truth is, I don't always turn to scripture. In fact, I don't always want to go to scripture 
to read and study and memorize scripture. If I am going to be completely honest, it is easier for me to pick up a Christian book about scripture than to spend unhurried time in the word of God. I have a two and a half year old granddaughter named Isla. She is a delight. She's a spitfire of a child who talks a mile a minute. And she, like all my grandchildren, teach me so much about myself, about life, and about God. Mondays are my day off here at the church and an early work day for my daughter and her husband. So I generally spend the night up there on Sunday nights. And then after getting the bigger kids off to school on Monday mornings, Isla and I have some sweet one-on-one time. It is sweet because she adores me. (laughs) She can be a handful and knows what she wants and when she wants it, but for the most part, she wants to be with me, to do what I do, to imitate me. It is quite adorable. After a morning of play, I make us lunch before her nap. We don't always eat the same thing, so I make hers first, and she starts eating while I make myself something. And all the while I'm preparing my lunch, she asks over and over again for me to sit by her. I do. After I've prepared my lunch, and we eat side by side for about 30 seconds. (laughs) Then she slides closer to me, and closer, until she is sitting on my lap. Not only is it hard for me to eat now, but my food has become much more interesting than her own. Because I'm eating it, a salad has more appeal to her than her favorite mac and cheese. A few weeks ago, my daughter had made lettuce wraps, and there was some left over, which I love, so I made it for lunch. Isla was very interested in the meat, even though her mom had said that she had not been a fan the night before. Still, I was eating it, so it must be good, right? She eagerly shoved a bite in her mouth, swirled it around, and said, Mmm, good. Less than enthusiastic, but I was enjoying it. I'd even declared it delicious. So a little later, she takes another bite. Hmm, she says, with a little less than favorable look on her face. Finally, with some encouragement, she went in for the third bite and promptly spit it out. (laughs) I don't like it, she spat. So why this story? Because like Isla, I sometimes go to scripture, knowing it's good for me, wanting to be like Jesus, but find my response to be, I don't like it. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I find hope and comfort and peace and instruction and guidance and correction and love and God in scripture. But still sometimes, I don't like it. Jesus' life was steeped in scripture. I think it's fair to say Jesus lived in scripture. Perhaps it was instinctual, but it was also a learned experience. He came into the wilderness well-versed in the Hebrew scriptures. He did not have to desperately rifle through a scroll, or even his mind, to find an appropriate passage for a situation, or in this case, temptation. 
It was part of him. It flowed through him. We do not have a lot of information about Jesus' life between his birth and baptism. Just one story, actually, from his childhood. And do you remember it? Jesus is 12. He's gone to Jerusalem with parents to celebrate the Passover. And on the return home, Mary and Joseph realize he isn't traveling with their relatives and friends, as they assumed. In fact, they don't know where he is. They begin a frantic search. And let me just read this section from Luke 2. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? What was Jesus doing those three days? Not what most 12-year-olds would be doing. He was sitting with the experts, the scholars, the teachers of the law, discussing scripture, asking questions, learning, and it sounds like sometimes giving answers to the questions that even the scholars did not understand. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. I think we're safe in assuming that not only was this a part of Jesus' life at 12 and before, but something he continued to grow in throughout his life. The passage ends with, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in wisdom, the wisdom from above. And I am certain the scriptures, what we now call the Old Testament, was a huge part of this wisdom. Jesus not only would have known by heart, but lived in scripture such as Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He didn't need to struggle in the wilderness to remember God was with him, even against Satan's attacks. He had meditated, internalized, lived in passages like Joshua 8. Scripture was a learned experience for Jesus. Notice he responds to each temptation with scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and then chapter 6. In these passages, Moses is reminding the people of how God has cared for them, provided for them in the wilderness. But also of the importance of listening to his word, meditating on his law, following his way. They are also reminded of the rebellion and disregard for his word they had demonstrated, hence the 40 years in the wilderness. Do you think Jesus didn't know? 
Do you think he wasn't aware that these words he were giving when they were said before? Do you think it never occurred to him that in his 40 days in the wilderness, there was an opportunity to show the right way to walk in the wilderness? Jesus knew. Because scripture was learned experience for him. A life experience for him. Jesus lived in scripture. It wasn't just a head thing to be regurgitated when it was useful for his own agenda. It was embedded in all he thought and did in every response. He knew the father intimately as only a son can. And much of that knowing came from scripture. We see something else in this passage about scripture though, don't we? Something Jesus clearly recognized. Scripture can very easily be misused. Satan not only knew scripture, but was ready to use it. And let's be perfectly clear. The devil had an agenda. And this, my friends, is a trap we also fall into. The devil used scripture to manipulate, to try to get his way. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's from Psalm 91. And throughout history, we have used scripture for our own agendas. Dr. Dennis Edward, the dean of North Park Seminary, writes, For many of my adult years, I had been in Christian circles that seemed to study the Bible in order to be right, but not necessarily to be good. We didn't always see the power that the words possess to change us into the kind of people that God wants us to be. The basic truth we must follow is that the Holy Spirit is God's provision to convert our souls and work in us to bring about what is good. And the Spirit uses the written word of God to help accomplish his goals. I grew up in the kind of circle Dr. Edwards describes. We knew our Bibles well. I remember taking a class called Literary Masterpieces, and it included the first part of the Old Testament. I was shocked to discover that many of my fellow students who went to church most Sundays didn't know these Bible stories I'd known all my life. I'd watch them fumbling through the Bible, struggling to find a book and a chapter and a verse, and I'd think, wow, I know nothing about Scripture. There was pride there. There was judgment there. And later... As my well-ordered world fell apart, I found there was wounding there. Because though we knew scripture, we knew it as head knowledge and not life experience. Scripture was used as an answer book. But interestingly enough, the answers always matched what we were supposed to believe. Scripture was used as a weapon to keep us in line, sin management, control manipulation even and that is how I learned to read scripture to study scripture 
with a goal in mind to find the right answer, to be a good Christian, which never seemed good enough. Richard Rohr said, People who have not experienced the radical character of grace will always misinterpret the meanings and directions of the Bible. The Bible will become a burden and obligation more than a gift. Sometimes I respond to scripture with, I don't like it because I'm reading through the wounding of scripture being a burden and obligation, not a gift. When people throw out random Bible verses to convince others they are right and all who don't agree or fall in line are wrong, when they use them to control the narrative or dismiss feelings by minimizing them and spiritualizing them away, red flags should surface. And when we use them on others or even ourselves in this way, perhaps we are not all that different than the devil. Rachel Held Evans, in her book, Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again, said, The truth is, you can bend scripture to say just about anything you want it to say. You can bend it until it breaks. For those who count the Bible as sacred, interpretation is not a matter of whether to pick and choose, but how to pick and choose. We're all selective. We all wrestle with how to interpret and apply the Bible to our lives. We all go to the text looking for something, and we all have the tendency to find it. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Are we reading with a prejudice of love, with Christ as our model, or are we reading with prejudices of judgment and power, self-interest, and greed? Are we seeking to enslave or liberate, burden or set free? Great questions. See, Roar, Evans, and Edwards are all coming back to the same thing. Scripture is meant to be read through the lens of relationship. And that relationship is love. What I didn't know as a child or young adult was that though I had a certain grasp of scripture, I didn't know God in loving relationship. Yes, I'd prayed a prayer and I was on a path. I think I was God's child, but I didn't know Jesus. Not really. I read scripture scripture through the lenses of do's and don'ts and ins and outs and rights and wrongs. And I miss the God of love, the God who doesn't just love, but is love. The God who longed to free me, transform me, and invite me into a growing relationship with family and mission and life abundant for all. I needed to start where Jesus started. At the beginning of this passage, this is my son who I love. I needed and continue to learn how to read scripture, not as a project for right answers or even to be a better person, but as 
the beloved. And that makes all the difference in the world. So maybe some of you are sitting here and you can relate to some of what I've said. Perhaps you have a long history and relationship with scripture. You know all the right answers. You've done more Bible studies than you can count. But if you're completely honest, it leaves you a little empty. Or maybe it raises questions you can't answer and you're tired of shoving them back into the box and giving the good Christian response. Maybe your two-year-old self, if you let it, might even want to say at times, I don't like it. Others of you are new to all this. Scripture is like a vast ocean, and you're clueless of how to even jump in. Where do you begin? And my guess is there is another group among us. You are a Christian. Maybe you have been for a long time. But you can go days, even weeks, without opening a Bible. And it really doesn't bother you that much. You know it should matter somehow, but it really doesn't. And maybe this time in the wilderness is encouraging you to change that. I'd like to end today with some ideas, some suggestions for next steps in this area of scripture. We're all coming from different spots. It's not going to look the same for all of us. This is not a one-size-fits-all to reading and studying scripture. There isn't one. And that's actually a very beautiful thing. Because God longs to meet you right where you're at. So first suggestion. Start with prayer and then do something. For some of us, it means praying that God will convince us that spending time in his word is worthwhile. God speaks to us in many ways, but the written word of God is one of the primary ways. Kevin Meller rightly remarks, Mystics without study are only spiritual romantics who want relationship without effort. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So ask Jesus to grow your hunger and then start. The Apostle Paul writes to his young friend and apprentice, apprentice Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to be wise and taught and trained. I don't necessarily want to be rebuked or corrected, but sometimes I need to be. And if done in loving relationships, There is a sweetness in knowing God loves me enough not to let me do harm to myself or others. Paul tells Timothy to keep going, keep doing what he's been doing because you know those from whom you learned it. So if you don't know where to start, don't go to social media or even do a search to find out where to begin. Ask 
a trusted person who has walked this road in faith. And you know you can trust. Then go into scripture with prayer, continuing to pray that God the Spirit will be your teacher and guide. Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God, said, Our only protection from our own pride, fear, ignorance, and impatience as we study the Bible is fellowship, relationship with the living word, the Lord himself invoked in constant supplication. Second suggestion, try new ways of entering scripture. Karen Young, this coming Wednesday night, will be leading a method of Bible study called the inductive method. In the inductive style of reading and study, you start with observation and move to interpretation using other sources to help you understand the meaning and culture and background of the passage. And then and only then you move to application. What does this have to say to me? Wednesday night would be a great opportunity to check that out. Some take a journaling approach to their reading and study. They enter scripture to read and meditate and reflect, and then they journal their thoughts and feelings and often find in journaling that things surface they were not even aware were in them or that they needed to bring to God or hear from God. The words of Hebrews 4.12 come to mind here. The word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. One of my favorite ways to enter scripture is Lectio Divina. It's a contemplative, reflective way of reading scripture. Some call it praying the scriptures. Because you enter into scripture in prayer and you respond in prayer. It is a slow reading, generally more than once letting it flow over you, through you. You meditate, you chew on the scripture, you listen for key words and phrases that the spirit brings to your attention. You reflect and often pray back the words of scripture to God. Many of you have been taught a sort of systematic Bible study, which is book by book, verse by verse, and usually includes word studies and biographical studies. You kind of tear it apart. This can be really helpful, especially if you don't know a lot about the Bible. I think there is a caution with this approach, as with all approaches. If it becomes more about gaining knowledge than transformation, If it doesn't result in knowing God and self and becoming more of who God has created you to be, if you geek out on every detail but aren't changing, aren't joining God on mission, aren't growing in relationship with God and others, then change course. How about memorization? I see some of you rolling your eyes, and I know the refrain, I can't memorize. I hear you. But if we leave memorization out of our scriptural experience, we leave out a beautiful way of scripture becoming a lived experience. It is often in my struggles when I am desperate for a touch from God that memorized scripture comes to mind and feeds me. One of the people I trust, I turn to when attempting to know how to walk the journey of life in Christ is Dallas Willard. And he said, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. 
If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's where you need it, he said. How does it get in your mouth? Memorization. And believe it or not, memorization does not have to be sitting down and struggling to get in, get it all in in one or two sessions. The kind of rote learning to be regurgitated at the right time and then forgotten. Rather, it can be part of living in a passage. Reading it. Listening to it again and again. Maybe in the morning or in the evening. Until without even realizing it, it is part of you. Bringing your imagination into scripture is another way I have found scripture to come alive. This is especially delightful when it comes to the Gospels. You read and listen to the passage slowly, imagining the scene, trying to smell the smells, taste the taste, connecting with the characters, and listening for Jesus' words and teaching as if you were there. Some people are nervous about this because they don't think they can trust their imagination. But if done in prayer, I believe Jesus is big enough to pull me back if I start in the wrong direction. Last suggestion. Don't let devotional readings completely replace the word of God, the Bible. I'm broadening the word devotionals here, and with it I'm including all the amazing books and articles and podcasts about God's word or based on his word that can truly be so helpful. We have more access to these than ever before, and that is amazing. But recognize that like me, you may often go to these instead of going to scripture. You may prefer to be told exactly what to think because it is so much easier than wrestling with scripture. But just as hearing about someone else without ever spending time with the person will only grow a relationship so far. So spending time only with others talking about the Bible will only take you so deep. Okay, this is a lot. And we can't end without the question of where do you find the time? For some of you, all this sounds overwhelming. Good news. God meets you where you're at. And believe it or not, technology can actually be our friend here. There are Bible apps like YouVersion where you can put in a book and a chapter and hear God's word read to you. Often I will listen to a passage over and over as I'm getting ready for work. I have found listening to scripture seems to connect in a different way. I listen to an app called Lectio 365 almost every day. I grab my cup of coffee. I sit in my God chair. And before I do whatever else I might do with God that day, I listen. It's just about 10 minutes. Usually a psalm, another passage of scripture, often the gospels, which is repeated twice and it's all intertwined with prayer prompts and then ending in a prayer of commitment and mission. I venture to say almost all of us could add this to our day without too much effort. In just a moment, we'll be led in a final song. During this song, I invite you, as in the past week's to go to one of these stations on the side, if you feel led, and enter into a time of prayer. 
Tell God where you're at with scripture. Let him know the parts you don't like or that don't make sense. Don't be afraid to say, I don't like it. Ask God to grow a hunger within and draw you to himself through the written word. And sometime during the next week, talk to someone you trust about possible next steps. Let's pray. Your word, oh God, is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. How we need your illumination, your light. Gracious Father, among us are those who have been wounded by misuse of scripture. Your written word has been used to burden, abuse, manipulate our control. Bring your light of healing into their lives and a new fresh breeze of freedom and life as they learn to know you more through your written word. Some here have decades of knowledge regarding scripture, reading through it again and again, but they too need a fresh touch, a living experience of walking with you in your word. Will your spirit guide them to new ways of truly living in and living out scripture? And some, Lord, recognize they aren't hungry for your word at all. Awaken their taste buds to its sweetness. Grow their hunger and feed them as never before. Allow us to enter your love and transform us through your words, we pray. Amen.